Zelani, I think you've got a testimony, a story. Where are you, Zelani? Morning, church. Um, actually, it's not my testimony. Uh, just to let you know, we actually have about 50 young people coming on Monday year, and for we called Monday motivation. So uh, we just opened last week. And there was one guy, actually, which was the time of sharing testimony to find out what Monday's been and just to hearing God in your life. So this guy, he actually stood up and said he was not allowed to come to Monday because they believe it's got to do with Christian and everything. So they think that was not good for him. So, but he kept forcing to come on Monday and keep us coming every time. And as the family of Monday, we've been praying for his family to actually let him come because they actually, they said, this Christian thing is not working for you, so why are you coming to Monday? So the whole family of Monday, they've been praying in the group, and after that he shared, he said, now the family allow him to come on Monday, motivation. And the whole family is completely changed. All of them, they're becoming a Christian. And that was one thing which is I've realized that sometimes when God, God can use one person and it can convince so many people. As the family, and they, he was saying that the whole family, they are very happy now, and they're the one that's pushing him to come to Monday. <laughs> so we praise God that for what God has been doing. And there were a few guys actually said they did not have work, but they've been coming to Monday, and then we've been praying, and they found a new job in this year, and they found the university, but that's what we want to praise God for that. So, but we said, it's not because you come to Monday, you found job. You come to Monday to found Christ. So, thank you so much. Well done. Thank you. Wow. So, uh, last week, I was preaching, and uh, if you remember, Daryl wouldn't let me bring his daggers and his swords because uh, he thought uh, I wasn't allowed to play with swords and daggers because it was too close to cutting my ear off. But, uh, you know, because I know we're such men and women of faith here, if I had cut my ear off, it would have been fine. Somebody would have come and prayed for me and just healed it. I mean, Jesus, there's precedence in the scripture. Jesus did that when the guy cut off the Romans' uh, uh, ear. So, but we're in the Word. We're in the Word, and the Word is a, it's a, it's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And uh, the Word is the sword of the Spirit. It's the sword of the Spirit. That's it. And we need to be wielding this, this thing called the Word of God. The more we, uh, I think we sang a song about, what was it about? It was about, uh, I'm not going to live by what I see. That was one of the lines in the song. But we're going to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what you and I have to do. If we're going to look at what happened uh, in the world over the weekend and the inauguration and rioting and then the, the protesting the next day, if we're going to look at all that, 
we're going to be shaking because it's scary. It's a scary world we live in. But if we are in the Word, if we are taking our our hope from, from the Word of God, then whatever the next day brings, we, we, we can face it. And so I've got a few people today who are going to share uh, something about the Word. Uh, Jonathan, I think, I think you can open the batting. Jonathan had a picture uh, on, at the prayer meeting on, on Friday. I went for a morning walk on Friday and first came back along the main road. I tripped over a branch and fell smack on my head. Uh, bang! And I couldn't move. And uh, within a minute, there were six people gathered around me cars stopping all along the highway. The second car was a doctor. Uh, And in the end, they picked me up and one of them gave me a lift home. So it was... uh, Well, what I told Jane, that the doctor was a a young woman and she was very beautiful. And she was very concerned about me. And I looked into her eyes. (laughs) So that was exciting. That was on Friday. Then there was Friday morning prayers here. And uh, um, Alan started the prayer meeting by saying we're all going to uh, speaking tongues together aloud. We did so for about five minutes, which is a long time. And uh, the Holy Spirit does not speak in tongues. Very important to understand that. The Holy Spirit does not speak in tongues. The believers speak. And the Holy Spirit gives the utterance. But until we give our voices and begin to speak. The Holy Spirit is unable to clothe clothe the language with his own words. In the Old Testament, the word to prophesy came from the bubbling of the pot on the fire. When the pot was simmering away, it was bubbling, babbling, prophesying. That's the word. And if you stand in the shower and let the shower pour over your face and you say hallelujah, you'll start speaking in tongues. Hallelujah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but I mean, speaking in tongues is a decision, it's not a feeling. I, we sang, you know, I don't live by what I feel. Falling in love is very good. It's very romantic. Uh, It's wonderful. But um, before we we fall in love, we need to to reconnaissance the landing ground first. Uh, And then you can fall in love. But uh, when the minister conducts a, a wedding, he doesn't say, do you feel like taking this woman? 
do you feel at taking this man? Uh, love is a decision of the will. I will. Not I feel like it today. Uh, and so speaking in tongues is also a matter of decision. Everyone here can speak in tongues, whether you want to or will not. Uh, entirely up to you. Well, uh, uh, we all burst into tongues and on and on and on. And I had a clear picture, a very vivid picture as, as we worship the Lord in the language of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he didn't speak. We spoke. We all made a decision and we decided to speak in the language of the Holy Spirit which all Christians can do if they want to. Some people are waiting for it to happen. It'll only happen when you decide that you want to. I will. You know, Scripture says, I will sing in the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. It's my will. Well, the picture I received was of a, a large and wonderful staircase stepping up and going up to a place of blazing light. But that wasn't the point of the picture. The, pic- the point of the picture was that on the side of this magnificent stairway, there was a, a banister. Uh, and it was wooden, and it was shiny, smooth, some mahogany-looking, and quite, quite big banister. And the understanding was that uh, the banister was the word of God. And in order to ascend the stairs, which are incidental, we need to put our hand on the banister. And if our hand is on the banister, we will walk up into the unapproachable light. So the word of God is what directs our feet. And that was a a very vivid picture I had that came through speaking in tongues is a place where revelation can come. And the other thought that came to me also on Friday, what's been coming to me for, for, for some weeks now, the Lord wants me to become more like a child. Uh, except you become as a child. It doesn't actually say that. It says, except you become as a little child. It's a different word. You will not see the kingdom. So, uh, I, I, I'm on a journey to become like a little child and little children when they talk to their mummies they go the Lord um, actually told me that Jonathan was going to have an accident I was back home and I knocked a pot over uh, into a very difficult place a flower pot where I had grown some bulbs of Christmas lilies. Does anybody know those, um, uh, those orange bells? We used to pick armfuls as a child in the Midlands, go out, and we used to come back with armfuls of Christmas bells. Um, and so I knocked this pot over, and I couldn't get it up, and I was blaming myself for being, I'm a little bit, um, you know, I have accidents, I'm a bit of a calamity Jane. And the Lord said to me, clearly, accidents do happen. 
So when I saw this car coming into the... I was going out to walk the dogs, um, and Jonathan getting out. I knew there had been an accident, and I, the Lord had already warned me. It, it sounds a silly little testimony, but I had so many of them. Little warnings of God um, involved in our lives. So I didn't berate Jonathan for being a bloody fool. I just... I said, it's an accident. Accidents happen, my darling. <laughs> so there we go. But, 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 sorry to add, I do believe that the angels held him, held him up. He's a heavy man. He fell flat forward on this concrete thing here. Look at him. I mean, you know, it was a miracle. Wow, thank you, Jonathan. The, the testimony of uh, the word, the word, hanging on to the word, hanging on to that minister, walking up to, to, to Jesus, that picture. And all, we all have a different journey in the word, and a few people will share a little bit of the journey of the word. Paul, if you can uh, share a little bit of your journey. So in telling each our own stories, we encourage each other with your own story. So as I tell my story, you somehow are going to be encouraged with your story. So my story is about a journey in the, in the Word, and, Alice, and Alan uh, wants me just to yeah, encourage you with your journey um, in the Word. And, my, and so there's a formula to my journey, and I think you'll find this very helpful to follow this formula. It starts at half past five on, the, on, on, on Tuesday and Thursday mornings, where one hurls oneself into a icy cold water and swims for three kilometers with a coach shouting, you know, you're faster, stop taking so many breaths, do tumble turns, uh, and, and, and humiliates you and exhausts you. And at the end of an hour of swimming, you are completely broken and you drag yourself off to the mug and bean in Westville and you sit down there and you know you need help because you're finished. And, uh, and so I turn to the scriptures at uh, around about quarter past seven to 20 past seven. This is a formula. You got it. So this will help you. Um, and, um, and then start unpacking the word in a very receptive state. I know I'm beaten. Um, and this was happening two days a week, and I, I, I so enjoyed it that, and more than enjoyed it, I started to so value that time that uh, the other three mornings I've now set aside. And going into this year, I've just made that, that time sacrosanct. So whether I'm swimming or whether I'm not swimming now, um, it doesn't, uh, this, this, uh, getting up at, at quarter past four in the morning and, and then and then trying to pray. For me, I just fall asleep. Um, so the idea of getting up and doing something first and then setting aside some time, now I'm awake, um, it's, just, it's just, I don't know, I just stumbled into this. I stumbled into this just because I've joined a swimming group. Um, so, and it's just working for me. So I don't know, in a year's time, my formula would have changed, I'm sure. But anyway, that's the formula for today. And um, so, so for now, I've cleared that time slot from quarter past seven to around about half past eight every morning. And... Um, whether I'm at the uh, coffee shop or after, after some exercise or on the days I'm not exercising, I still set aside, set aside that time. And um, I've been on a journey. Um, I, and I'll just take you a little bit of a thread through the journey just as a, an encouragement to you. Psalm 92, it is good to praise the Lord, says David. David writes this thing and, and it says, it's good to praise the Lord and to make music to your name. And in the morning to, to uh, remember your love and in the evenings to proclaim your, your faithfulness. Uh, and he says, and 
to, to, the, to the sound of um, the instruments of the, of, of the day, to, um, which were ten-string lyre and, the, and to the melody of, of a harp. And so it, it's just good. It's good every, in the morning to sing to you, in the evening to sing to you. Um, and then a little bit of a clue as to why this is so effortless. He says, for, for, the word for, and the reason for the singing is for you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. And I sing for joy at the works of my hands. So as I sat in this thing and just read it over and over and over, I started to get a picture of David. Well, he actually can't help himself. God, he's, he's just seen God at work in his life. Uh, God's just whispered accidents happen and then, and then, and then seen a, a, a miracle happen. And he's just moved to, to, to sing. He can't help it. It's a spontaneous response to God in his life. And he's singing every morning. In other words, he's having a daily experience of seeing God doing something in his life every day. And he's moved to sing. Um, and just, uh, just like, wow, okay. Um, so he's not singing because of some incredible thing that, he, that happened four years ago or that happened to his father or happened right in the beginning of his walk with the Lord. He's singing because it happened last night and it happened this morning and it happened at lunchtime and it happened this afternoon. And it might be little things, it might be big things, but he's singing. He's just, I can't believe that's happened. I just can't believe. Uh, just amazing. I, and the army, when we all were very jealous for our chocolate, the one day I was sitting there on my bunk bed and I just thought to myself, oh, Lord, you can easily make that guy. We shared many things in the army, but we didn't share chocolate. You could easily, you could easily prompt that guy because he was scuffling his chocolate to trying to get it down before anybody saw he was having it. And my back was to him and he tapped me on the shoulder and said, Paul, here's some chocolate for you. Oh, I was moved to sing. <laughs> and that's what, G, what David was doing. And then so once I've got past this thing about, um, okay, so now it raises my expectancy. Well, God, what are you going to do in my life today? So it, it changed my, what I'm looking for. It changes how I look at the day. Um, and then I go on and David's saying, how great are your works, O Lord, how profound your thoughts. And I go, yeah, okay, that's interesting. So how great are your works, how profound your thoughts. In other words, there's a connection between your works and your thoughts in there somewhere. You think and then things happen. Okay, so I'm still on, that, on, on the things happening thing. And then at some point, the, it, it starts occurring to me, how profound are your thoughts? So, David, where are you going with it? What, what, what's inside your head? Did you say, how profound are your thoughts? And I can imagine David saying something like, you know, God is the most incredible, interesting, fascinating, riveting person that there is. And I am just incredulous that when I have a conversation with him, I just find his thoughts incredible. I'm astonished, I'm surprised, I'm amazed at how God thinks. And I go, you think? Okay, well, what do you think? And so I go on a journey to, um, to, to, to Proverbs. And um, lot, lots of things in, 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 in Proverbs, and I can take you through a whole journey there, there but I'll just pick on the one, the one bit. Wisdom calls aloud. So God in the form of wisdom Cause aloud, or wisdom was there with God when God created. Wisdom calls aloud in the streets and raises her voice in the public squares. And there's this whole picture of wisdom in a, in a little, in a, in a town, in a busy town, calling aloud, saying, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna share my thoughts. I wanna share my thoughts. I wanna tell you my thoughts. These fascinating, riveting, incredible, surprising, wow thoughts. I wanna, I'm going in the street corners and saying, who wants to know my thoughts? I'm not going in a secret place where you have to go and, and incredibly contort yourself somehow to put yourself in a position to hear the thoughts of God. I'm going to come to you in the busy places. I'm going to say, anybody interested in my thoughts? And then as the picture is painted in, in Proverbs, the incredible thing is nobody's interested. Nobody's interested. How can that be? 
This is the most incredible being in the universe. He made the universe. He made love. He made senses. He made humor. He made laughter. He made the mountains. He's incredible. And he thinks. And he wants to tell us what he thinks. And nobody's interested? How can I not be interested? Well, I'm interested. Um, and so, so um, I'm going to find out what you think. You think. What do you think? I've been so on about the doing. It's time for me to find out what you think. What are these incredible thoughts that you have? What do you think about? Um, so, uh, and then it, 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 it says there in Proverbs, you know, if they'd responded to my rebuke, I would have poured my heart out. That's the, the phrase. I would have poured my heart out to them. Pour your heart out. You're not, it's just not just a little sharing of some thoughts. You're going to pour your heart out? You're going to pour your heart out. No? You, when you're sitting opposite somebody and they pour in their heart out, God is saying, that's what I want to do to you. I want to pour my heart out. But you're not interested. No, no, I'm interested. I'm interested. Okay, respond to my rebuke. I'm speaking to you from a place of love. Rebuke is love. Judgment, the earth shudders. Rebuke is love. And how you move God's heart is to respond to his rebuke. And he's so removed by you responding. Like not only is he interested, he's actually changing something in his life. Now, wow, I really got his attention. Ah, this is so amazing. I'm just going to pour my heart out to this fella. Okay, well, I'm putting my hand up. Uh, Rebuke me, rebuke me so I can respond. (laughs) So that you'll pour your heart out. (laughs) So, um, So the journey goes on. So I thought, well... Okay, I want to know what you think. Uh, gospels, Gospels. You talk, you, there's lots of red writing in the Gospels. And so, Jesus, what do you say? What have you got to say about things? And then I see him wandering through the Gospels. And I'm, I'm now at the coffee shop and um, reading this. Um, and, and, and my clock, my watch, ah, oh, it's time to go already. Come on, I'm just getting into this. And I see Jesus talking about the kingdom a lot. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And he says a whole pile of different things. And I find myself going, you said, what? Did you really say that? And then I noticed to me, Jesus had pulled up a chair with me in the coffee shop. And I'm having these conversations. And I realize I'm actually having a cup of coffee with Jesus. And I'm, I'm, I'm incredulous as a first reading, it doesn't say much. Second reading, it starts to tickle. It starts to, my brain cells begin to wake up a bit. And, and then third reading, I'm going, you said, What? Did you, did you really say that? And I hear a voice saying, yeah, yeah, I said that. And look, that's all, all I said. Go and go, just read that again, just read it slower. And, and, now, and now put yourself in the story um, and, and unpack it. Come on, let me help you. And suddenly I'm finding myself over breakfast, fascinated, pouring over these jolly scriptures as he's talking about the kingdom. And he said, no, there's, a, there's a kingdom of God and the, and the throne of God is in heaven. And when you pray, you must pray, may your, may, may, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. Okay, so there's a kingdom in heaven, and that the kingdom, the will of the, the Father, the will of must be done on earth as it's done in heaven. And Jesus said, so okay, that's interesting. So it's not for later, it's now. So there's an interaction between right now, between the kingdom of God and, and, and what's happening on earth. And you get this picture through, through what, all the things that Jesus says, of there's a, king, there's a whole bunch of kingdom realities that are interfacing daily with earthly realities. And, and it's, there's a dynamic between the kingdom of God and heaven and what's happening on, on the earth. And then, as I'm reading, it says, Jesus says, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. You're doing what? I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. What do these keys do? Well, let me tell you what these keys do. 
Okay. And then Jesus says, so the, now the works I've been doing, I'm, I'm going now to be with the Father. You must do the works I've been doing. May your, no, may, may, may your will be done on earth, and I'm giving you the keys, and you must do the works. Whoa, 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 whoa. How am I going to do this? And, 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 so, and, so, and so the journey goes. So at the moment, I've, I've been on this journey about the kingdom. And the, 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 the kingdom in heaven interacting with the kingdom um, on earth. So let me read you Psalm 97 to... And, and, and as you, know, you read something, Jesus says something, you say, okay, that's why Paul said what he did. So you've got to read what Paul read. Um, the kingdom of heaven is just amazing. Uh, the thoughts that, you know, how does the kingdom of God work? Because, because my life may, may be done in my life as it's done in the kingdom. Well, how's it done in the kingdom? So I go and read Matthew 5, where Jesus says, well, you know, normally earth works like this, but for you, it's got to work in a completely different mindset. Um, Psalm 97. Okay, so I, 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 the point is, is, you just keep on discovering these things, and you go on a, on a whole journey, and you and a rabbit trail through the scriptures, and, and, and you hear this voice, Saying to you, yeah, read a bit more. Go, go back, read that again. Uh, stop now. Just imagine it. Picture the scene. Put yourself in the scene. Um, okay, now let me tell you how I was feeling. Um, and, and you get this feel. You, you, you start having this interaction uh, coming out. You're having a conversation with Jesus. So somewhere in there, because it says, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So because he's been on about the kingdom... So, okay, I read that. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then suddenly, oh, and his righteousness? What is that? What is his righteousness? I've heard a lot about the kingdom. And I, I, it's easy. There's a, there's a throne. There's a king. And the king says, let it be. And that's how it must be. What's his righteousness business? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And suddenly I start seeing this word righteousness popping up all over the place. It actually says a lot about righteousness. I don't know if you know that. Um, <laughs> and it's all over the place. Um, the Lord reigns, Psalm 97. Let the earth be glad, let the distant shores re- uh, rejoice. So the Lord reigns. He reigns from a throne in heaven. Immediately there's a connection between the throne in heaven and the earth. The Lord reigns in heaven on his throne in heaven. Let the earth rejoice. Whoa. Okay, so this isn't just for later, this is for now. There's a king that reigns in heaven, let the earth rejoice. Let the distant shores rejoice. Well, let the earth be glad, let the distant shores rejoice. Okay, a little bit about this throne. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. So there's a throne, that's, that's, that's a bit counterintuitive. You're sitting on a throne and you, you're surrounded by, by clouds and thick darkness around you, but you're a god of light. Aren't you a God of light? Yeah, yeah, I'm God of light. I hear the voice say. Um, clouds and thick darkness around your throne. Okay, that's not the picture I was expecting. I was expecting this brilliant light. Okay, read, read on a bit, Paul. Um, clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness, that word righteousness. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Okay, there's a foundation to your throne. Did you know that righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne? Okay. And Jesus asked where, one of the things that I said, you said, what? And he said, yeah, that's what I said. And I'm saying it again now. Um, Jesus said, whatever the Father has is mine. And he, did, and he made it clear that we're in him. There's a throne, and the foundation of that throne, I'm a bit scared to spell that one out. I'll leave that one for you to work out. Um, the, 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 there's the throne. There's justice and right, righteousness and justice, the foundation of his throne. And I'm going, okay, 
um, righteousness and justice. So immediately, I'm changing how I'm looking at 2017. I'm going, seek first the kingdom, I'm hearing, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Righteousness is the foundation of the throne. All right. I've got, where I am, uh, I've got a role to play, and there's a little bit of authority that goes with that role. Righteousness and justice are the foundation. That's how I'm approaching 2017. Righteousness and justice. Now, what, what does righteousness mean anyway? Uh, it's going to be my foundation. I don't even know what it means. I mean, I've got some thoughts, but, um, but it's time for me to find out. So righteousness and justice are the foundation of the throne. Okay, there's a journey. I haven't got time to unpack it. The point is, there's a journey. He's talking. He's, there's, there's stuff happening. I'm having a conversation with him. He says, therefore, Paul, you must change your priorities in your day. At the moment, you're a bit like Peter because you've got the concerns of man, of mere men. You need to have the concerns of God as you approach this year. Don't have merely men, man thoughts. You've got to have God thoughts. Now, that changes how you think. And this thing about righteousness will change how you think. It will change your priorities for this year. So, um, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him. Ah, this is more like it. And consumes his foes on every side. So, he's got this throne. Sitting on his throne. Surrounded by darkness and clouds. He's got a foundation, righteousness and justice. And then fire is coming from his throne. And it's coming, it's spitting out, and it's, it's just cascading out from his throne. And it's consuming his enemies on every side. And lightning bursts out from his throne. And it lights up the world, the world. Is a throne in heaven. Fire is coming from the, from, from the foundation of the throne and consuming the enemies of God. And lightning lights up the world. And the earth sees and is afraid. And his lightning bolts strike the mountains, and the mountains melt. What are the mountains? I've, seen, I've, I've heard about the, the, the guys teaching about mountains before. What are the mountains? The mountains, the mountains are authorities. The mountains are powers. The mountains are kingdoms. The mountains are dominions. The, you, your lightning strikes the mountains, and they just shrink, and they melt. So they're gone. They melt. They're gone. Paul, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. Administer the kingdom. Righteousness and justice are the foundation. I'm looking forward to my next breakfast. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Alex. Morning, everyone. Amazing that uh, Paul mentioned that uh, God's thoughts, and uh, in the New Testament, Paul says, "But we have the mind of Christ." You want to know what God thinks about? Amazing. Um, I have a lot of friends who often say to me, yeah, "You know, I've never heard God speak to me audibly." If I'm honest, I haven't either. But my counsel to them, my counsel to you, my counsel to myself is: read your Bible out loud, and you'll hear God speak to you audibly. <laughs> All right, so we are in a very interesting uh, global uh, situation. Um, the complexities of the environment we have to deal with when we want to explain the gospel to people is uh, quite radically different than it has been uh, throughout all, all of uh, time up to this point. But the challenge has always been the same. It's that uh, people's hearts are not regenerate, and so they are blinded. 
to, to the word of God. But it's by the ministry of the gospel at, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that God opens people's eyes to see and to receive. So just a few scriptures here and thoughts as you go about interacting with people, especially when they say, what do you think about Trump? What do you think about Hillary? What do you think about governments? What do you think about this? Um, and as, before you engage on Facebook debates, these are maybe some thoughts and some learnings um, that I've had along the way. Okay, so uh, 2 Timothy 4.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that every man of God may be adequate, equipped, for every good work. So God's purpose through the word, one of them, is to make us adequate and equipped for every good work, which includes the good work of evangelizing. And uh, why is scripture profitable for that? It's because it's inspired by God. And the Greek word is theopneustos, which means to literally it is breathed out by God. That's literally what it means. So that means that we can follow God's uh, command through Paul to us, 1 Peter three fifteen. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. And that word defense is apologia, an apologetic. It's not to say, oh, I'm sorry that I'm a Christian. It's to give a defense. That's why the NASB translates that well, to give a defense. So when you are responding to someone's query, um, are you planning to give them the truth? Or are you planning to give them the truth in love? And there's a difference. Because one is about proving that you are right, and the other is about leading that person to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the way by which we do that is according to the word. We can even get that from this passage here. It says, sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. So the Greek word for Lord there is kurios, which means master. And the way in which Christ is master of our hearts is, is by what? By the washing of the word. That is how Christ seats and rules over the church. And it's how he seats and rules over our hearts. The ministry of the word according to the Holy Spirit. So, as a result, we can be unlike the people spoken about by Paul in Romans 10. Where he says, For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. So there's a way to know about God and be completely deceived. And that is to know about God apart from the very specific revelation he's given about himself here. So if you want to answer people on Facebook, if you want to give an apologia, a defense for what you believe in, uh, Study to show yourselves approved so that you can give a defense for what you believe. And you'll be surprised with a spirit of meekness, gentleness, and with studying of the word, how effective you can be in sharing the gospel with people online. Bless you guys. Thanks. So, I've lived uh, the last uh, five or six months with, with, with a wife who's... Life has been transformed by the word. And I just want to share her, her journey. So, good morning. Um, gosh, I, I'm, I'm so inspired by Paul and his 
just the way he speaks about the word. I mean, imagine having a coffee date with, with Jesus like that. Um, I assume that didn't come out of one coffee date. Probably did, though, knowing you. But uh, I'm going to dumb it down because I'm much younger in um, where I am with God. I'm busy taking baby steps. And for those who may not know, um, while I've been born again for many, many years, I've actually been encountering Jesus for just four So I was born again at the age of 12, but really, really met Jesus and encountered him for the first time at the age of 46. So for the last four years, I've been walking in a completely different way to the way I I have my whole life with Jesus. And in fact, my husband has said he thinks he's having an affair because I'm another person. So I don't know how my husband knows what it's like to have an affair. Anyway. So, um, for those of you who don't know, we have two kids, and they're both at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, which is in California. Anthony is in his third year, Amy's in her second year, so we are used to saying goodbye to our children. We know that familiar ground of saying goodbye for a time. They leave at the end of August of every year, they do a nine-month schooling, and they come back in May of the following year. And this last year was really a a completely different experience for me to say goodbye to my kids. It felt like a death in a way. Their absence was enormous in the house. And that's a story by itself because God is taking me on a journey there. Um, But it was so severe, the pain of their absence had become so severe that I said to God, well, I need you to fill my time. Could you please give me something to do? Not that I was bored, but I wanted to fill up everything to take my mind away from their not here. So I said, I know, I'll go, I'll do a project. Yay for projects. I'll go on a project called, I'm going to read the Bible. Now, for the last four years, I haven't really read the Bible. I certainly tried a lot in the 34 years of what I would say was barrenness, and it was flat and boring. The Bible was never meant for our heads. It's meant for your heart. And if you read the Bible or attempt to read it without Holy Spirit, it's going to be two-dimensional, if I could call it that. So... I'm a strategist and I'm, and I'm an organized person. So I thought, okay, I'll start in the New Testament. I think I'll start with the letters of the apostles. I'd like to go, I love Paul, so I'll save him for last. I'm going to go to Peter and John and James. I'll, that's good. Good idea. I'll start with James. And I want to sit, it's only five chapters, so I want to see what it's like to read a whole book in the Bible in one sitting. Not James 1 today and James 2 tomorrow. I'm going to read the whole thing. Grab a cup of coffee, sit and read James. He blew my mind. You need to understand the backdrop of me and reading is quite significant. When I start reading, no matter how compelling my book, I need to change my environment like every half hour or so. Oh, there's a weed in the garden. Um, Go and make another cup of coffee or something. I I have to press the refresh button a lot. And... um, And when I tried to read the Bible before, there were many weeds. And 
and, um, I, and then I'd find a cold cup of coffee on the table and I'm weeding and I'm filthy and then I wonder what's for supper. I must go and, gosh, I need a haircut. I wonder how the kids are. Anything, anything except reading the word. Particularly when I read the Bible, I would be very, very distracted. So I began and I read James and I read 1 John, 2 John and 3 John and I read 1 Peter and halfway through 2 Peter, I'm salivating, I'm looking forward to getting to Paul, probably get to Paul tomorrow, yay for that. And I'm learning stuff as I'm reading. But one morning, and it was a Wednesday, I turned, watched myself, watched my hands, turned to Joshua. And Peter's like one of the last books in the Bible, and Joshua is the sixth book in the Bible. But I want to know, I want to read to Peter, but my hands went to Joshua. And I'm beginning to, to get how God speaks. Okay, so, all right, we'll do this your way. Let's go to Joshua. And Joshua 10, I picked my head up and needed a refresh. So I went and got a cup of coffee. Couldn't wait to see what happened next. Sat down. Joshua is the book in the Bible where Moses has just died. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, taken the people through the wilderness to the promised land. They've never gotten to the promised land. Enter Joshua. Moses has just died. Joshua takes them into the promised land. And now we begin. I didn't even know it at the time, but I was beginning at the beginning of the history books of the Bible. And I read about all the judges and all the kings and the good ones and the bad ones and the supernatural way in which God worked. And God was so scary. And if I, if I, if I met with anyone during that time, um, physically, if I had a coffee date with someone, I'm sorry if it was you, but I would watch their mouths moving. I would not hear what they were saying. My mind was wholly consumed by the stories that I was reading. And all I could think was, I have to get back because I wonder what happens next. And so the, the, the project of reading the Bible began with me needing to mask my pain. And this is a good idea and me pursuing it, and it turned its tail on me, and it pursued me, and I wound up reading the Bible because I figured if I don't, I will die. And I also watched my life almost like in periphery vision. This is beautiful. I'm reading the word of God. I'm focusing on Jesus, and in my periphery vision, my life is actually being sorted circumstances of today, circumstances in my now, my, my perspective of them began to change as I was focusing on this. Because we don't live our lives by what we see, we live our lives by faith. And so that's been my journey. I'm five months in. It was September, October, November, December. This is my fifth month. I have read It it was just an interesting journey. I I went straight through all the history books, and then I stopped at the last one, which is Esther or Ruth. I'm not sure. Then I went to the first five books of the Bible, and I kind of went wherever Holy Spirit led me, and this thing came alive. And God was a really, really scary God in the Old Testament. 
flippy scary. And that changed my relationship with him in my now. And then I went to the New Testament and I read the Gospels. And I've kind of done most of the Bible outside of some of the prophets and Proverbs and Psalms. Still haven't done those. And I feel, as opposed to Paul, who, who gets such profound insight into the Bible... I feel like a little kid. I'm five months old and um, not even a toddler yet, but I am fascinated with what I'm reading because it's, it's about me. It's, about Je- it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And the insight, it's a journey that I get to do with Holy Spirit. And every now and again, he says, stop. And sometimes I miss his voice, but more and more I'm beginning to recognize his voice. And I stop and he says, read that again. And I read it again and something comes alive, one little phrase, and that becomes my meat for this week, for this now, for this month, for this whatever. And so in John 10, it speaks of, I am the shepherd and you are my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, as strange as they will not hear. What is a stranger's voice? I kind of feel like, how do we know what the shepherd's voice is if we're not, if, if we're not utterly immersed in his word? His name is the word. He can't not speak. He has to speak. He speaks all the time. We get to hear him when we're focused on him. I'm gazing at the word. There's my life in my periphery vision. Show me who you are. And this changes. Doesn't make sense. Heck, come on. I'm reading stories about other people and my life is changing. I'm reading about these amazing kings. Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel. Daniel. Oh, I'm reading about all these things and my life gets to change as a result. What's with that? So the voice of a stranger will be highlighted if we know the shepherd's voice. If we don't know the shepherd's voice, the stranger's voice will sound like the shepherd's voice. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How do we renew our minds? One of the chief ways we renew our mind is by reading the word. The essence of covenant is relationship. The essence of relationship is communication. And the essence of communication is mother and child, where they go, and the child goes, that's the most high level of communication between any human being. Al, when you mention cascade, and we were worshipping as well, I had a a very clear picture of a waterfall, very beautiful waterfall, but like the Kloof Gorge ones with lots lots of rills and rocks, but mixed in the water was blood. Yeah, but there was nothing threatening about that blood. And then the Holy Spirit led me to see Jesus on the cross with the blood and the water flowing out of him. But at the base of the waterfall, 
And there was more water than blood, but there was a stream of blood going throughout the water. And at the base of the waterfall, there were magnificent flowers. I don't know what it means. Sorry. Mandy, have you got that clip for me? So we've been talking about having coffee with God. An advertising executive came down to talk to me after a service, and he had just become a Christian. I had, I had baptized him at the church, and so, and uh, he said, I, I just can't make time for a meeting with God. He said, you have no idea what it's like to commute downtown every day, and you live in a different world. I, I, can't, I just can't fit, it, fit that kind of thing into my life. And I remember looking at this young guy, hard-charging young guy, and, and I said, here's my experience, and I'm not, you know, I'm only like 24 years old, so... There it is. I said, I've always been able to make time for stuff I value. Just how my life works. If I value something, I'll make time to experience it. If I don't, I won't. And I'm making time for a meeting with God in my life. You do it any way you want. And uh, he wasn't too happy with me that day, I don't think. And I didn't see him for a while. And then afterwards, I saw him many months later. And when he came down to talk to me, he, his countenance was different. He felt different. His conversation was different. And he invited Lynn and me. He and his wife invited Lynn and me to go over to their house for dinner. So we accepted. He lived right in the area. And so we go over to their house. And uh, as we're kind of just having some appetizers beforehand, he takes me over to a rocking chair. And he says, you know how you challenged me to have a meeting with God and to just to make the time. He said, I, I've, I love rocking chairs, so I bought a good one. And you said that maybe if you're going to make this repeatable and enjoyable, you should look at some scene or vista that you enjoy looking at. And he said, I've got a little backyard here, and I love looking over the backyard. So he said, I, I just bought this chair, and I put it in, at my favorite window where I can overlook the backyard. And he said, I got up a half hour earlier, 15, 20 minutes, half hour earlier each day the last several months. I sit in the chair. I have a cup of coffee. And he goes... I read God's word. I try to make sense of it. I ask him to speak to me by his word. Then I meditate on it, reflect it, apply it to my life. Then he said, I write some thoughts down in a journal and I pray. I pray that I will be more aware of his presence in my life. And I said, how's, how's that going for you? And his wife jumped in and said, I'll tell you how it's going for him. He's a changed guy. What happens to him... When he sits in that chair, has changed him. He's more centered. He's a more gentle and loving man in our marriage and to our children. I was very impressed with this, that he could show me his chair, that he had taken the time, that he had fashioned a meeting with God that he looked forward to. Because he liked the chair, he liked the view, he liked the coffee, he was a morning guy. And he fell into this pattern. Many months later, uh, I had coffee with him one time, and he said, I'm thinking about leaving my job in advertising. He said, it just, it, um, I think I'm done with that. I said, where'd you get these ideas? And he said, well, in my meetings with God in the chair. That's, he's been putting those thoughts in my mind. I said, what are you going to do? And he said, well, maybe I'll just help you build the church. I said, well, no one's getting paid around here, you know. 
And he said, well, I've done pretty well in advertising. I can hold on for a while. And, and uh, maybe if the church grows, you know, then maybe they can help me and my family in some way. And I said, well, you better go back to that chair and see if God's really in this because I don't want to take responsibility for your life and all this. And he said, okay, I will. And came back about a month later and he said, you know, I gave notice at, at work. And if it's all the same to you, I'm just going to help you start building the church. You pay me what you can, but it's not a concern of mine. And this guy joined our staff and I'm telling you, he was a hardworking, energized, joyful, uh, industrious individual that really, really helped our church. And was on our staff for many, many years. One of the best staff members in the early days of the church. Then one day he comes into my office and he said, you know, I I still do that meeting with God in that chair, that rocking chair. And he said, God's been stirring in my life in my meetings with God. And he said, a friend of mine starting a brand new church in Colorado. And I think I'm going to pack my family up and move to Colorado. I said, can they support you? He said, no, I'm going to have to go back into the marketplace and uh, make some money because they, they can't afford anything. And uh, I said, you, are you ready to do that? And he said, you know, every morning I talk to God about it. And he said, I'm really fired up about it. So we said goodbye to him and he packed his family up and he went out and he went back into advertising, made a lot of money and gave most of it to the startup church. And it became a fantastic church. And then in that same chair that he moved out to Colorado, sitting at a window in the morning like he had done for many, many years now, he processed a bad medical report he got from the doctor that cancer had come his way. And he kept working and he kept supporting that church and uh, he got sicker and sicker. It was a very fast-spreading kind of cancer. And uh, then he was hospitalized and one of the great losses he felt when he was in the hospital is that he didn't have his chair and he died quite soon thereafter and I did his funeral in Colorado and I was talking to his widow his wife uh, at the funeral reception afterwards I said that was something about that chair wasn't it she said his whole life changed In that chair. I said, what are you going to do with the chair? And she said, we are going to pass that chair on to our children and on to our grandchildren in the hopes that someone would sit in it like Tom did and have their life transformed. Simple question, gang. Where's your chair? Where do you meet with God? Where do you reflect on his word and open yourself to his power? Where, where do you become aware of his presence in your life? Where is that? And some of you go, well, you know, I mean, I don't have a nice backyard to look out on. It doesn't work for me. It, the thing about the unlimited presence of God is that you can meet with him anywhere. Your chair can be anywhere. When we first started, Lynn and I first started taking our summer study breaks in South Haven, that little town on the other side, uh, we rented a one-bedroom cottage in the summer times. And so it was chaos with two kids in, in that cottage. So I would leave and I would go to the Burger King in the morning for 30, 40, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour. First booth on the right when you come in the door, Main Street in South Haven. 
I did that little practice for nine years. Fiberglass booth in a Burger King. I made some of the most important ministry and personal decisions in my life. Fiberglass booth in a Burger King. To this day when I drive by that Burger King, I look at it and I go, man, God met me there. There's a carpenter in this church that meets with God every morning in the front seat of his pickup truck, brings a thermos of coffee and his Bible. Half hour before the construction starts, he just sits in the front seat of his pickup truck, absorbs the word of God, meets with God, surrenders himself with God to God, asks for direction in his life. A young mom that I know goes to Starbucks whenever she can. Corner table, meets with God. Where's your chair? When you meet with a friend, let's say for a lunch, what happens is if you've connected with that friend, after you leave the restaurant or wherever it is, you think about that friend later on in the afternoon. When you meet with God, you think about him more throughout the course of your day. His presence lingers after the meeting. Where's your chair? So that's the question for each of us today. Where's our chair? And the coffee. But I'd like you to stand. And I want to pray that this word would become life to our souls. That as you open it, as you find your place where you spend time in the word, and I'm going to echo uh, Paul's prayer, that the eyes of our heart will be opened. So Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this gift to us. This precious gift of the word which speaks life to us. And I pray for each of us that as we read this word, that Jesus, the Father of, the Father of glory, would give us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him as we read it. That we would have the eyes of our heart enlightened. That we might know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is, is his immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. And so I ask Lord that as we read these words. We ask Holy Spirit that you would teach us and that you would show us. That we would approach these scriptures with a childlike faith with excitement that we are coming to chat with our daddy. And he has wonderful thoughts and, and wonderful thoughts towards us. And so, Lord Jesus, open the eyes of our heart. I'm asking everyone here who has struggled and battled with reading the scriptures and reading the word, that you, Holy Spirit, would make the word come alive. And as we discipline ourselves and, and just spend time with you each day, Lord, we would find life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.